You're listening to Business in Bloom, a podcast for creatives and a home to honest conversations about the ups and downs of running your own business. I'm your host and creative business coach, Anna Dunleavy, and we'll explore topics on self-belief, creativity, and what it means to run a business on your own terms. Hello, and welcome back to episode 92. Just a little note to say that today's episode was actually recorded all the way back in 2021, um, which is a little bit wild. Um, If you've been here for a little while, you'll remember that I took a bit of a break in 2021 and this episode never really went live as it was originally planned. So here it is and I'm really excited to share, um, two years later, (laughs) my conversation with a fellow coach, Emma Ashrew-Jones. I first met Emma when we both enrolled on a coaching certification last year. I say last year. No, wait, two years ago. And over time, we've gotten to know each other really well. So Emma is an integral development coach and she explains exactly what that is. She talks about her journey to setting up her own business and doing scary things even when self-doubt is loud. So let's jump straight in. Hi, Emma. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. This is my first podcast, so I'm really excited and delighted to be here with you. Oh, it is an honour to be your first. (laughs) I just wanted to kind of preface our chat with just a little kind of intro into how we met. Um, So we both signed up to do a SAS Petherix course in self-belief coaching. And we were put together in a coaching pod with another lovely woman. Um, And so it was just the three of us and we would meet almost almost weekly for about six months to you know discuss what we were learning and to coach each other and observe and yeah and we've kind of obviously gotten to know each other over the last six well more than that now probably close to maybe 10 months or so um so yeah so I just wanted to kind of give a little insight into how we know each other because I think it will probably feed into the kind of types of things that we discuss later as well absolutely actually it's quite rare now that I think about it that we've kind of coached each other so we've been each other's coach and a client in a way so to know each other in both capacities is quite rare and that we've gone deep together so um, we have we really yeah. have <laughs> yeah definitely yeah I'm sure that will come through in this conversation I- I think so. So um, perhaps just for everyone else's kind of benefit, if you could just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. Sure. So my name's Emma Ashry-Jones and I work in kind of three main capacities. So I work as a coach, as you mentioned. Um, So I practice uh, integral development coaching, um, which I can come on to tell you more about. I also work as a facilitator so with groups um, and running leadership programs and I work as a strategist so with kind of purpose-driven organizations helping them to really get to the soul of uh, who they are and what they do whether it's you know a one-person business or a a bigger organization. So I work in those three different ways um, but the thread kind of through all of them is a sense of helping people to um, cultivate the courage to step into new possibilities and, and recognizing that perhaps another way of doing things 
is possible uh, and supporting them to to step into that that new narrative. I love that and I'm so I'm curious what's been the kind of journey to where you are now uh, to you know the different kind of roles that you embody in your work Mm -hmm. now what yeah what was that journey like for you? It's an amazing question because it reminds me that you know it's only when you look back that things actually make sense but it's easy to look back now and and tell the story and see how one thing led to another but actually um at the time I don't think I set out to uh, necessarily work in the way that I do or to set up a business it it just sort of emerged uh in some ways so I think winding back the clock in some ways it began when I was working in um a big creative communications company. I had my dream job in my 20s. I was living and working in New York for a big company called WPP on their kind of graduate program. And um, and I loved the work. I loved the, the dynamism and the creativity of that industry. I loved that it was all about telling stories and connecting with people. But there was also something about it that, that didn't fully align with my soul if I'm honest so a sense of is selling to people or trying to get people to um, love a brand or buy more things is that really the most that I can be doing with uh, as uh, the wonderful poet Mary Oliver puts it with my one wild and precious life so I was I was doing this work and in some ways really enjoying it and sitting with this kind of quiet existential whisper of doubt in the back of my mind of, is this it? Could there be more? Is this how I want to be working? It was also pretty high pressure, as you can imagine. And anyway, I was in New York about to move to San Francisco to start a new role in the company. Then my world changed as I knew it. And you know the story of the fact that my wonderful mum, who I was very, very close to, was diagnosed with cancer with a brain tumour. Um, and for me, it was just, it was without question that I was going to return to the UK, that caring for her and being present for her in the in the, those precious months of life was now my priority. So it wasn't so much about being on this kind of upward trajectory of becoming the next superstar in in the company it was a slowing down in a way of everything else sort of blurred into the background and um it was really about just loving my mum in in all the ways that I could and and anyway the reason I'm sharing this I suppose is because that that played a big part in the story I think of how I got to where I am now because I ended up going on this found healing journey in the wake of grief after i my mum eventually passed away. Um, I walked a big pilgrimage across Spain called the Camino de Santiago. Um, I spent a long time in India writing, practicing yoga and meditation. And and the next kind of natural step on my journey was that I decided to train to become a coach. And I didn't do that training with the intention of I'm going to set up a coaching business after this. It was more the sense of what I need right now is to be in community with like-minded souls who are are asking maybe similar questions to me or who are wanting to go deeper to, um, to step into new ways of being together. And, and I had experienced a flavor of that coaching. So I'd done 
had done a shorter course in coaching where I had been the kind of person in the center of the room where um, the coach is demonstrating a coaching conversation. And it was honestly one of the most powerful conversations I've ever had in my life. It really stayed with me. It lasted about half an hour, but I'll never forget what was said and how it made me feel. And I remember thinking if I, if I could get the opportunities to cultivate the qualities to do this for somebody else, even one person, that would be an extraordinary thing and a, a huge privilege. Um, and there was a sense that actually this was the kind of work, it felt quite natural to me. It didn't feel like it was coming from that same sort of effortful place as my work in the corporate world. It came from a much more soulful, um, embodied, creative place that I somehow felt like I had more access to that having gone on this sort of healing journey. And so I, I trained to become a coach and, uh, and at the same time, I set up this program um, for people working in the industry that I've been part of, but who wanted to create more impact through the work that they're doing. Um, and I've been running that for four years. It's called Reclaiming Agency. And so that's how my facilitation work came about. And the strategy work is really drawing upon what I used to do in that company for big brands like Coca-Cola and Land Rover and the Oprah Winfrey Network and now working with um, organizations that are deeply values driven and who want to um, contribute to the world as well as you know, being successful businesses. So that's a bit of a whistle stop tour to how I got here. But I think the one other thing I wanted to add is that it wasn't just a case of what's the business that I want to create or what is the practice, but also what's the life that I want to be living. And I realized that I wanted to have more agency over the kinds of clients I was working with, the projects I was on, so that they aligned more with, with my own values and, um, and my truth, as well as having more freedom over how I spend my time. So while I'm not necessarily in the place that, you know, 10 years ago, I might have thought I was getting to, I'm in a place where I can go for a walk in the woods in the middle of the day if I want to, between running workshops and giving talks and coaching people. Um, and that feels just as precious as the work itself. So I just wanted to mention that because I think these things can sometimes you know go a bit unnoticed so thank you for sharing that and I think what I'm hearing is that the kind of whispers of you know is this the work that I want to be doing combined with some kind of big life event and then you know going through your own grief process and and experiencing that coaching firsthand all of yeah. and, and like you talked about earlier you know sometimes when we look back actually it's all clear isn't it but when we're in the midst of it we we can't see the path sometimes but actually mm -hmm. all of those things combined have led you to to wanting to explore coaching for yourself a little bit more and mm -hmm. and ultimately to train yeah exactly it reminds me actually of um do you know the writer Cheryl Strayed who wrote she wrote Wild and she wrote another book called Tiny Beautiful Things, which is kind of um, letters from readers. And in one of them, she responds to someone and 
she says all these all these jobs that you're doing now that you're wondering where is it leading to and what am I doing with my life and where am I going um this too is your becoming this too is your becoming and that's really stayed with me I think and of course in those moments it can be hard to feel like that that you are you are going somewhere but um even if it feels like you're sort of off the path in a way I think I had times where I felt like I'm I've fallen off the path I was on a path and now I'm off almost the sense of we're running this marathon of life and I've stopped running for a while I've had to sit at the sidelines and watch everyone else carry on running but actually that's not what was going on it was that something something was unfolding something was coming forth that was more true to the life that uh, that is mine and um, I think that's why so much trust is required on that kind of journey because because yeah we don't know <laughs> we don't necessarily know um, what it's going to amount to no no we don't yeah it does and I think it kind of reminds me of what you said earlier before we hit record around redefining that version of success and what it actually Mm. meant to you and I think we've probably all fallen perhaps not all but you know a lot of us have fallen into the kind of norm of you know high paying job or perhaps you know the excitement of working somewhere like New York or San Francisco um, and not to say that these things aren't good mm. as they are but that perhaps yeah sometimes things make us pause and reflect and actually and see whether it is aligned with like you said our values and and is this the true is this the thing we want to be spending our one yeah. you know, wild and precious life on and I think sometimes it can take something happening to sort of open that up for us, whether it's a life event or perhaps even for some people, the pandemic has done that, but a sense yeah. of kind of shaking us open and, and it's not easy, you know, that can be painful to sort of wake up to wait, what am I really doing here? And, um, and to then break away from what was maybe quite a, comfortable path of of success in the way that you defined it I was always someone that wanted to kind of achieve highly and so to break away from what seemed on the outside like as you say these kind of amazing opportunities I think felt quite yeah it did feel quite challenging at the time I almost felt like I had to justify it but the truth is that it wasn't totally about grief and I, you know, I need to take this time away because I'm on this healing journey. It was also simultaneously around these deeper questions that were there already. Yeah, those whispers that you were already kind yeah. of tuning into before, yeah. before things mm-hmm. change. Yeah. One of the favorite things that we learn on the course that has allowed me to view things differently is knowing that things can be both and so when you talk about you know being or having always been quite ambitious and wanting to achieve certain things we can still continue to do that when we redefine our version Mm -hmm. of success can't we Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just that our priorities may change and the way we view things may change and so whilst perhaps 
you chose to no longer pursue that achievement of working for the you know in the advertising world that actually you are still achieving so much more in in different you know forms and ways and 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 in different yeah places so yeah Mm -hmm. I always find that yeah that the redefining success can bring up all sorts of um feelings I think yeah exactly and I think it's also a sense of having to really come back to that sense within yourself of how you're defining success for yourself and to give yourself that that validation um, because sometimes it won't come from the outside so if you're having if you've had a session with a client that's been really powerful no one else is going to see that it's Mm -hmm. not something that that the world necessarily will give you kind of accolades for in the way that you might get sort of awards or be on lists or things like that or you know having a fancy job title in in a company but you know for yourself that you're making a difference and and as you say there can there can be kind of more obvious kind of external ways of of seeing that as well so it doesn't have to be one or the other yeah and I think what is tricky is reminding ourselves right that actually tuning into what kind of feels right to us ultimately will lead us to where we need to go but it's tricky not to be sometimes pulled in the kind of external direction of you know what do other people view success as and those very familiar notions of you know it is a perhaps being a CEO at a company or whatever it might be that people view as you know really Mm -hmm. kind of successful Mm -hmm. it's that constant need to remind ourselves that actually what I value and what I deem to be successful is good enough and is is well it's plenty and it Mm. doesn't need to be kind of even if it's an internal dialogue questioned by those external kind of perhaps pressures that we sometimes experience Mm -hmm. yeah exactly I think that's so well put and and actually as you're speaking it's making me think that you know, even if you do sort of follow in the direction of other people's definition of success, it's, there's always going to be different perspectives. It's always going to be arbitrary and you can never kind of get far enough. You know, you'll get to one benchmark on that journey and then there's a sense of, right, great, what next? And Mm. I love what you're saying about really trusting in that enoughness, that sense of, I am exactly where I need to be. And all that I'm doing is already enough and and actually to take the time to look back at the journey that we've been on and really celebrate all that we've learned along the way as part of that success so not just not just where am I going next but wow here I am let's kind of take a moment to look back at the horizon and 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 honor that so I think we um well certainly I I tend to forget (laughs) to uh to do that and I think it was partially part of just being in the perhaps school system of you know what what's the next exam that I need to be working towards what are my what are my options going forward is that university is that college is that going to work and there's that always looking forward which isn't in itself that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. but that lack of pause actually 
Mm-hmm. Uh, even when you, you know, using school as an example, you get your grades, cool, okay, what's next? We don't kind of say, actually, do you know what? I, you know, studied so hard to get this or yeah. did X, Y, and Z. So yeah, yeah it can exactly resonate. I think I mentioned before that I, um, I walked 500 miles across Spain as part of my kind of grieving healing journey on the Camino de Santiago. And that was one of the best pieces of advice that somebody gave me. I met someone along the way who just said, take the time to look back at the horizon, to look back at how far you've walked, because it's so easy to just think, where am I going tomorrow? And when am I going to get to the end of this? Um, and it might sound like a cliche, but to actually appreciate the journey, to really notice the steps and and it is an amazing thing when you look back at the horizon and and now I mean I'm still on that journey of course but I had a moment very recently of kind of looking at just a day a working day where I was giving a talk in the morning to a kind of global brand that I really think is doing some amazing work in the world then I was running a workshop for an eye hospital between patients and staff and facilitating kind of an honest and kind of creative conversation between them. And then I was coaching people one-to-one and I just thought this was what I dreamed of. Like this was what I wanted to do was to be able to do all these different things. And I want to kind of thank my past self for, for getting me here actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and how nice is it to kind of be like yeah actually yeah all those choices all those small steps that I took have, have led me here yeah exactly and again it's I'm not saying that from just a total place of mm, I'm really thanking my past self and exactly where I need to be of course I still sit with that self-doubt all the time of but where next and is this enough and right um, yeah. and, and that's why it's um you know as as coaches doing this work for ourselves first and foremost is how we're able to bring it to our clients so it's very much not the case that that we don't also sit with with these challenging questions but absolutely so I'm curious whether you would be able to tell us a little bit more about integral developmental coaching and how perhaps it's different from other kind of coaching modalities and and what it well, I guess what it entails, you know. Integral development coaching is um, it's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? And I think it can sound um, a bit jargony, but the way I understand it is that the word integral really just means the whole person, the whole of you. So it's not just seeing one aspect of your life in isolation, like your work or your body or relationships, but it's really seeing the whole person kind of spiritually, somatically, emotionally, cognitively, and how those different elements of your life weave together. So perhaps looking at one particular area of your life, but then seeing seeing all these different streams as they kind of flow together. And then development, because it's not just about kind of how can I get to the next thing or how can I achieve a particular goal? Like, yes, that is part of it, but it's also developing as a person, developing more into who you are. So that sort of inner work around taking up new practices and reflections that help you to see kind of ways of being that might be so habitual that we don't even 
know that they're there we don't even realize that that's kind of the story that we're living in so one example might be you know I mentioned the story before of that idea of running a marathon that life is the marathon that's one narrative one way of seeing things but what might be another narrative and so I might come up with a particular kind of metaphor or image that is tailored to that person um, and what's kind of the longing beneath that what's another way of being that might have more more ease more freedom more possibility around it and what are the practices that might support you to step into that and we work together kind of over a longer period to really embed that change so that you become self-generating so that you kind of become your own coach Um, and so it's while other types of coaching from what I understand might be a bit more about right what's a problem and how do we solve it or what's the thing you want to get to and how do we get there it's much more what's what's a deeper possibility that is calling you in your life and um what's the kind of suffering that you're in at the moment that's holding you back from being being in that other way of being so working with people to to allow that to come forth really and it's very very tailored to each person so no uh, every coaching program that I do with each person will be completely different and I'll weave together different practices and poetry and all sorts of things to sort of invite them into into this new way of being that might be calling yeah I I love what you said there around I think particularly when coaching is centered around a specific area of our life there may be and maybe that's down to the kind of marketing that we've kind of been exposed to there may be a tendency to want to have like a specific you know step-by-step kind of what do we need to do to move through whereas actually what you're saying is it and what I really resonate with is that coaching is so deeply personal particularly Mm -hmm. when you are holding space for someone one-to-one they may need something or they may think they may need something but when you come together you actually realize it's something entirely different not always of Mm. course but it's 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 responding to whatever is there Mm -hmm. rather than what we think we should be focusing on or what we think we should be there yeah absolutely absolutely and sometimes you know we we might think that what we're coming to coaching for is is one particular thing like I need to find my purpose I need to sort of get to the the job of my dreams for example and there's nothing wrong with that but it might be that getting there is is through slowing down actually through just cultivating the capacity to rest to ask for help to express your needs Um, and it's through doing that that you're more able to listen to that part of yourself that actually knows already what your purpose is what you what you really want to be doing and sometimes it's sort of starting starting more where you are it's yeah I think it's it's a really kind of powerful thing to be to be coached by someone and to be kind of witnessed and to have things reflected back to us that perhaps we weren't consciously aware of I think that and you you know you yourself talked about having this just 30 minute kind of conversation coaching kind of conversation that you had and how 
profound it's been for you. Absolutely. And, but also I suppose knowing that not every coaching conversation will be like really life-changing and profound. Yeah, absolutely. That's so true. And that sometimes it's also, it can feel quite challenging, you know, to have someone sort of help us see things that we kind of know are there, but maybe don't want to address or to kind of gently and lovingly hold us accountable and to just deal with also, not deal with, but to um, explore the minutiae of the day-to-day that sometimes sometimes asking the big questions starts with the, the very small kind of fairly mundane things of, Am I taking really good care of myself? Am I taking time to go outside and breathe and get away from screens and these things that might feel so like, oh, this is, I know I should be doing this or this is just really basic, but actually it's almost some of these things are kind of the foundation from which everything else flows. So it's kind of related, but we're kind of, I'd like to switch gears a little bit. And talk about you launching your new website, which you did not too long ago. Yeah. And that process of actually probably a lot of the time coaching yourself through it because, um, and obviously it's something that we discussed, there was a fair bit of resistance in wanting it to be, you know, a specific way and, and kind of waiting for the perfect time to launch it and kind of release it into the world. And so how did you work with your self-doubt to to kind of overcome those little fears and worries of taking action in this in this new way? Because I guess, well, I'm, I might be assuming, but I guess, it, you know, it was something that perhaps you hadn't done before. Yeah, it was. Exactly. It did bring up a lot of self-doubt for me, just the step of, I think, sharing my my story and my offerings and my work with the world in that way and I think I wrestled with the the fact that it shouldn't be like this as well (laughs) and also you know I'm a coach why am I struggling with self-doubt why is my inner critic or kind of inner protector as we call it so strong right now and kind of compounded by the fact that I used to well I still do help others to do this work of figuring out what do I stand for and how do I share that with the world you know communications has been my background and so I felt this sense of this should be amazing and and why am I struggling to do it for myself but also I think I kind of oscillated between making myself small so dismissing the work that I was doing and being like oh you know I don't I don't really do very much all I do is sit and have conversations with people or (laughs) you know really diminishing the value of the work and again, of course, we know that that just comes from a, a kind of part of us. At the same time, feeling this pressure that I had to be this really established person in my field. And, you know, oh, but I haven't written a book yet or I don't have whatever. You can always pick some external thing of I need to have this in order to feel like I'm, mm-hmm. I've really made it and have something to offer and and I think that what helped a lot was that I, I did actually have some really supportive people along the way. So it felt 
it felt almost like I was birthing something into the world, which might sound really dramatic for just a website, but it was because it represented so much of, of me kind of dignifying the work that I'd been doing and saying, no, this is really, these are my gifts and this is what I bring. And I'm, I'm proud of it and I'm going to offer it to the world. And I think that my, my friend who helped me design my website and also helped me just to really draw out what, what I might want to express she was almost like my doula of just sort of being with me along the process and and when I felt like oh I can't do this or but I should it be under a business name or is it okay that it's just my name and and how do I want to describe the coaching that I do and and she really just helped me to to connect with what felt true for me and also to get back to that place of actually just start with where you are and and not needing it to be kind of my the version of who I think I I should be um you know in five years time because a website can always evolve the other thing that people said that I found really helpful that you know it can it can grow alongside you and we do need each other you know it's okay that even as coaches, it's, it's okay and it's human and it's healthy, actually, that we sometimes need others around us to say, you've got this. Or, you know, I remember you, Anna, reading the kind of first draft of the website and just coming back to me and being like, Anna, this is great. And that meant so much. And I think just gave me that extra bit of, of belief that, oh, you know what, maybe I'm seeing this through kind of my own, maybe quite critical eyes at times. And other people that I trust think that this is this is great and it's good to go and I don't need to sit here tinkering and making it perfect um Mm. because it resonates and yeah Yeah. so so that all helped and also when people said to me it wasn't so much that they said oh this is really great it was when people that I trust and know said this feels like a reflection of you as we know you and that really helped as well to feel like you know what actually being authentic and being real is more important than being perfect or being what I think I might need to be so it kind of reminds me of the work that we've been doing what you're what you're talking about around wanting it to be a certain way and and wanting to have certain perhaps things in place or yeah yeah, waiting for the right conditions right that actually you know as we you know it's not always the case but often I think it probably kind of a a symptom of you know wanting to procrastinate in some way so that we don't actually have to go ahead and do do the scary thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and actually take that final step that yeah that is the sticky point that feels kind of uncomfortable yeah exactly and recognizing I think one thing that came up on our course together that I found so helpful was recognizing that by avoiding the thing you're scared of so whether it's I'm I'm scared that people are gonna reject this or think that I failed or I'm scared that it's gonna lead to I don't know somehow people not actually engaging for example that by holding back I'm actually make, already making that a reality the thing that I'm afraid of I'm already perpetuating that because of course people can't engage when I'm not putting something out there for them to engage with and so just recognizing that actually even though I'm sort of um, in some ways I'm protecting myself in other ways I'm it's almost a, a paradox there and and then when I 
did launch it, I noticed, wow, the things that I was worried about happening on some subconscious level, well, firstly, they didn't happen, of course. People were amazingly supportive. But also, I really noticed that I didn't really care by that point. It just felt so great. My kind of identity in this way to feel a sense of, yeah, this is who I am and I'm happy to to share it. I wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, I'm worried about what others are going to think or is this good enough? It just felt really freeing. And so that sense of it's it's only by doing it that, that we kind of build that build that self-belief really Mm. and kind of in a sense that I want to say resilience of kind of and you know testing it out in in real life in a sense of putting it out there and then being able to kind of gather the evidence of everyone was super supportive and engaging uh, engaged and you know that Mm. actually all the things that we were worried about actually were there was no you know none of that happened so yeah yeah, yeah. exactly exactly and I also wanted to touch on the fact that you you know you talked about having kind of support around you and I think as you know as someone as a coach you are supporting others in this capacity but actually yeah recognizing that sometimes we also need that help and that that's perfectly fine mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, exactly yeah and why shouldn't we it's like yeah. if we believe so much that it's as you said earlier you know that that power of kind of witnessing someone and supporting them in their journey is is so powerful and and so why wouldn't we need that for ourselves as well and that we're human too and I think for me it was it was a deeply developmental experience it was much more than launching a website or just a a step in my business and my practice it really kind of confronted me with a lot of my own some of the old gremlins really that we touched on earlier around really old inherited definitions of success and where I should be um, Mm -hmm. and allowing myself to be actually really um, I love the phrase kind of right-sized someone offered that to me this idea of you know not having to sort of aggrandize the things that you've achieved but also not making yourself small and having that kind of right-sized expression of myself felt yeah it it did feel like it was (laughs) it was a journey that I I learned a lot more through than just how to launch a website Mm, yeah and it gives me so much empathy for my clients because it's yeah it's really hard to to do the scary thing as you said yeah, but I also think it, it kind of reminds me of the fact that perhaps the things that we find scary, maybe to the outside world, aren't quite so much, but that it is all just a personal kind of, for the lack of a better word, it's a you know personal journey that it, you know, different things will be difficult for, for different people. And, mm-hmm. and that I guess from the coaching point of view that you know it's it's a really kind of good reminder that yeah whatever kind of comes up for someone is is very real to them yeah exactly and that it can feel it can feel so visceral when you're in it when you're kind of in the eye of the storm feeling can I do this whatever it might be feeling that kind of really 
intense self-doubt and and I think another thing that helped me was also being compassionate with myself so for example originally I was thinking that I was going to share a lot of my writing on my website and so I felt this pressure that I needed to kind of go through all my all my journals and all my writing and turn all of that into something that I could share with the world and then I realized actually you know what that can wait that will come it will come and I plan on sharing my writing much more in the next year but it was enough to just take that first step and to say it doesn't all need to happen right now that kind of kindness can be important too absolutely and it comes back again to kind of the things we've been you know learning and practicing together about kind of looking at doing the kind of more doable stuff and if sharing the writing you know when you were launching the website was just that step too far that we're Mm. always we always have that control and agency to strip back pull back and just do whatever the next kind of logical or doable step is and Mm -hmm. that we can we can do that and that there is no one kind of standing over us and saying well no if you don't launch with a full blog then it's mm-hmm. clearly not you know it's it's yeah to scratch it, it we are like you say we're able to approach it really compassionately and mm-hmm. and just kind of come back to what will serve me right now too mm-hmm. because actually ultimately mm-hmm. particularly when it's building your own business it's it doesn't have to be or feel like a punishment you know so how can we make it more easeful for ourselves? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something that I come back to um, mm-hmm. time and time again. Yeah, I love that, Anna. Absolutely. I completely agree. And um, it makes me think of, again, what we've kind of worked on together in our journey around connecting with that healthy self. And so noticing the parts that are saying, unless you have a blog you can't be a proper coach or whatever that kind of protective belief might be unless you have xyz or um if you we all have our own version of it and then recognizing actually what would my healthy self say she would say it's okay if you're not ready to share all of it right now start with where you are and you know from there you'll perhaps build that self-belief to be able to do more of that in the future but you don't need to go beyond what feels what feels possible for you right now yeah yeah and we don't always have to be stretching outside of that comfort zone like far out because that doesn't always feel too good either (laughs) exactly exactly yeah I think it's kind of the legacy of capitalism in some ways that just tells us to kind of constantly be doing more and growing and stretching and reaching and it's never enough and to actually just say you know what this is this is more than enough for right now as we said and a kind of bringing a a gentleness and I I love that your podcast is all about kind of bringing mindfulness to business and as you say that sense of ease it feels like a, a radically different and much kinder way of working where our businesses can be a way of um, of expressing ourselves, of doing what brings us alive, of bringing our gifts to the world, uh, rather than our businesses being what what we have to serve and almost bit like being the master and being something that we're constantly feeling we have to we have to build and grow. But instead, that perhaps 
we're growing through through running our businesses actually yeah (laughs) yeah definitely agree with the fact that it is such a like you talked about you know your own development as you were in the process of launching the website it is such a there is so much growth that happens on a personal level I think Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. when we run a business as we are coming to the end of our conversation I always like to ask uh, all of my guests if there was one tip that you could give your younger self what would it be I think it would be to make space for joy so even as you're working hard to bring about what you want to be doing and kind of focusing on the horizon before you it would be to allow allow the moments of joy in the day-to-day because that is what life is for Um, and it's really really important and I think um, my mom taught me that a lot through her life and that yeah it's cultivating that space to just be present and um, be with the the joy that's available right now when we step back and I really love just bringing it back to that day-to-day stuff that Mm. it's joy doesn't have to be reserved for some big event that we are waiting for that we can kind of find it in the day-to-day in the smallest of things amazing thank you so much for your time today where can people find you so people can visit my website at www.emmaashrewjones.com or you can find me on Instagram, which I am trying to use a bit more of. So it's Emma underscore Ashru, which is spelled A-S-H-R-U. Yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to link to those in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for your time today. Great. Thank you so much for having me, Anna. It's been lovely. Thank you.